Hey everyone, this is That Guy in Hutch, and you're listening to That Podcast in Hutch. Today, I have a, a good friend of mine, someone I've known for quite, quite a while and have grown very close to over the years, Steve Becker. He's a, a number of things, or he's done a number of things in his life. He's a retired judge, a former state representative. He's a cowboy. He's an emerging podcast host, but probably most of all, he's Papa to his grandkids. Steve, thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. Yeah, I'm honored to, uh, to be a guest on that guy from Hutch. And uh, yeah, we've developed a pretty close friendship. Uh, the one uh, thing I have to correct about the introduction is I'm not a cowboy. I'm a wannabe. I, I'm a kid that's <laughs> I'm a kid that still plays cowboy. So I don't have a lot of cowboy cred. <laughs> but you do have a lot of cowboy stuff out of Becker's bunkhouse. <laughs> I do collect a lot of cowboy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, part of why I wanted to have you on today and talk with you a little bit. I want to talk about some of your your history and your experience, but through Salt City Sound and this podcast network, you're starting a podcast uh, that will be released in the next couple of weeks titled Cleared. Can you talk to me a little bit about that podcast and, and what it's about? I'd, I'd love to, uh, Jason. Uh, yeah, a little bit of history about what led me to this point. My daughter, uh, Beth, uh, has been pushing me to do a podcast I mean, she wouldn't even identify a subject or anything, but she just listens to a lot of podcasts and uh, wanted to do one with me. And she'd been after me a long time to do it. Um, and I've, I finally relented. I have to say that nothing, <laughs> nothing intimidates me more than technology. I'm an old man, Jason. I'm very old school, and I don't listen to podcasts. I don't know where to look for podcasts. But uh, thankfully, you know, we found a producer that will settle down my anxiety and say, I'll take care of all that. So, uh, yeah, so that brings us to this point. I picked the topic, and uh, it is the topic that I'm, perhaps the most passionate about based upon my uh, professional experience. The topic is wrongful convictions in our criminal justice system. Uh, it's a big concern of mine. It happens much more frequent than people understand. So, yeah, I'm excited about this project and uh, hoping we can produce a good product. I'm sure it will be. Well, let's talk about, I know I first came to know you, you were a district court judge in Reno County. And over the years, we've had a number of conversations and, and I watched you on the bench and, and covered you when you were on the bench when I was with the Hutch News. But I've come to know over the years that some of the decisions that you have to make as a judge really weigh on you. And you, you have to make a decision. Not making a decision as a judge is not really an option. And you have to do it with the best information you have available. Uh, can you talk about that? Uh, some some of the things that, or just kind of the sense of how being in a position to make those very difficult decisions weighed on you and when you were on the bench. Sure. Uh, 
first of all, not every decision was difficult. It's interesting that you mentioned that that I had to make a decision. Absolutely. There was not the option of just not doing it. Uh, you had to make a decision. And yes, some of them, uh, some of them were quite difficult. You also mentioned something that it became very important to me. When I was having difficulty with a decision, I just couldn't reach that point of uh, where I was going to go with the case. Somebody provided me with a, a gem uh, that I relied on heavily, and it simply stated when faced with the decision, make the best decision you can at the time with the information you have and then forget it. You will never reach a point of absolute certainty. So that, yeah, I, I relied on that heavily and uh, that helped me. And that, and that kind of, that kind of looking at things and, and knowing that you're making decisions that aren't perfect maybe, but are the best that can be done with the information you have kind of folds into what you talk about in the podcast, right? There, essentially, we're looking at your podcast examines legal cases, criminal cases, where people have been convicted of a crime. They were prosecuted, convicted, and sent to prison. And as new information emerged, the case was reopened and reexamined, and the new information ended up clearing the person, which is the basis for the title, Cleared. Yeah, that's correct. And, and I certainly don't plan on when I analyze the, the criminal case. I don't want to get into the weeds. I'm going to do a summary of it and certainly touch on the highlights. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to present the facts of the crime. I'm going to present the uh, evidence that was presented at trial. My daughter, Beth, is going to cover the personal aspects of the defendant. So I, I think in working as partners like that, I can I think we can make a pretty interesting podcast. I think so. So you she said, let's do a podcast together. You get to do this father daughter project. That's the, the number one driver. Absolutely. It is. And then you were left to choose the topic. You chose the topic partly because of your your background uh, and your extensive uh, history and experience in the legal world, but but also this is important to you, right? I I, I know we've talked about this some. Um, you have a real passion for making the law work as well as it can, and understanding that it's not perfect, but trying to work towards better all the time. Yeah, that's that's right. My experience, my professional experience, showed me how imperfect our criminal justice system is. Not so much of making these huge blatant mistakes, but as I mentioned in this uh, little quote that I relied upon, the point of absolute certainty never arrives. And that applies to uh, our, our criminal justice system. And even in a trial, we instruct the jury you know, you don't have to be absolutely certain. The burden is beyond a reasonable doubt. And there's a big difference between those two levels of proof. So, yeah, there are mistakes are made, and uh, that that's what haunts me. I, I have a little trouble letting it go. 
did you have cases when you were a judge that kind of stuck with you that you might have made a decision based on the best information you had, but in your mind there was just maybe it swirled around a little bit? Yes, yes. There's there's one big case, and perhaps uh, if our podcast uh, is accepted and uh, followed, there's one particular case, I'd certain local case, Reno County case, that I'd certainly like to revisit. But I'll have to be careful if I do that. We'll we'll see how that develops. But yes, there are some. One thing I might add here, oftentimes, frequently, Jason, I would walk out of the courtroom when the case was over and just silently in my mind pray, man, I hope I got that right. So, yeah. Yeah, because I think, you know, a lot of times in a lot of areas of life, it's there seems like there's an effort to make it as simple, as easy, and as straightforward as possible. But things like taking away someone's liberty, imprisoning them, taking them away from their family, those are weighty decisions, right? Even if the person, the defendant has, has you know, clearly has maybe a history of doing something, you know, breaking the law or, or whatever, there's still that weight that comes with this is a very final decision, that we're making in this in this room today. During my judicial career, I know I had colleagues across the state uh, that were very calloused. Um, and I thought, you know, and, and I'd listen to them speak and things like that. And, and I realized that that would make the job so much easier if you didn't care. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't care, it's not an easy job, man. It'd be easy money. But if you care, if you have empathy, if it's really important to get it right, it can be tough. It can be a tough job. And, and you and I served in the legislature together for a year. You were there a little bit before I was, and then we had a year that, that overlapped. And I'm so pleased that I got to serve with you. That was a joy for me. I, I loved it. I'm, I'm glad that that time worked out. But I think about that sometimes in politics, because the other side of, of the legal world is the, there's the judicial side, but there's also the legislative side where we're writing the, the laws that then go in place and that judges have to follow. And I often think this would be an easier job if I carried with me the absolute certainty that what I know and what I think and my perspective in life is 100% right. Because that would, I would never have to think about anything. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I mean, I mean if, you're, if you're so locked in that the door is closed and you're not going to hear anything else, yeah, it's easy peasy. I mean, when it comes time to take a vote, there's no question. But I would like to think that most of us aren't that way, that we listen to both sides. We understand both sides. We recognize what supports both sides. And uh, that that's what makes the job you know, more difficult, more weighty. My time I spent on the district court bench just 
served me so well when I changed branches of government and uh, went to the legislative branch and I used that experience. That was probably what I enjoyed most in my short legislative career was when we were dealing with criminal justice issues. Uh, I really felt passionate about that. Now, I remember uh, when, when we were both in the legislature together, you had brought up an amendment to end the death penalty, and you pushed really, really hard on, as hard as you could on that, but it, but it didn't go anywhere. So I, it seems like the, that effort, and I know that you currently serve on the Kansas Coalition Against the Death Penalty, can you, it kind of tells me that that we know that, that this imperfection in the system, in the legal system, and in the lawmaking system, really, when it comes to the death penalty, that's a that's another area of passion that kind of fits into this for you, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. Um, yeah, that that's part of the wrongful conviction issue, and. and uh, I'd, I'd like to say when, when we bring up the death penalty, my, I think my strongest argument is how can we impose the absolute certainty of death when we don't require the absolute certainty of guilt? That's the source of these wrongful conviction cases, all these exonerations, uh, particularly since the... Uh, since the development of DNA analysis. We don't require, I mean, people aren't convicted on absolute certainty. The jury looks at the evidence, the jury thinks it's strong enough, and we're convicted, and um, they return a conviction. There's a line uh, or a quote uh, from... John Grisham, I've read quite a few of his books, and he's a legal scholar. He's certainly a wonderful writer. And he has stated that it's easy to convict an innocent person. It's virtually impossible to prove they're not guilty, to to prove an exoneration. So in that atmosphere, in that environment, how can we execute people? And these exonerations, I think the average length of time from conviction to exoneration is like well over 20 years, I think. And I always hear the argument as when, when a death warrant is issued by a court, when a death penalty is imposed, let's... Let's execute. I mean, Kansas hasn't executed anyone since 1965. So we're paying for the death penalty, but we're not using it, which is another argument to get rid of it because of the high cost. But if exonerations take 20 years, we can't. Goodness sakes, Jason, let's not kill somebody when we haven't had time to work on an exoneration. And I think it's that what you said there is really important to me that to to kind of highlight when we when we have a death penalty case, the the standard of conviction doesn't increase. It's the same as any other conviction. The standard, the reasonable doubt level, 
that would exist to a, a robbery or an assault or anything like that, that doesn't move up because it's a, it's a, a murder case. It, that reasonable doubt stays in place, but the punishment for that is finite and, and right. much more severe. And that's, and hopefully that message will come across really clear when we examine in our podcast these cases of in, exoneration. When you look at the evidence in this first episode, you look at the evidence at trial and goodness, Jason, I'm thinking, how can they convict on that evidence? But they did. I mean, it ended in a conviction. And then when you can poke holes in all that evidence and you find out, goodness, there wasn't hardly anything there at all. And the case that we're going to analyze in the ep first episode is not a death, death penalty case. Uh, so we're not dealing with the death penalty, but still. You're exactly right. I mean, whether it's a simple drug possession charge uh, or whether it's capital murder, the burden of proof remains the same yeah. beyond a reasonable doubt. I think it's another point that we probably ought to address is you worked in this system for a number of years, so I feel like your passion in this isn't rooted in... Uh, kind of a critique or an overall condemnation of the system. It really is just a matter of in any system, there are so many variables and so many human elements that come into play. Habits that have been held over from previous generations that haven't been adjusted with modern times. You mentioned DNA analysis. We, we used to convict people without that. And now we have this new tool that's available that both serves to get better convictions, but also prove when someone's being wrongly accused. Can we talk about that? Just like there's so many new technologies, human variables, things that kind of play in from, from the moment that a case is called in to the conviction, there are multiple points of potential error, human error, which exists in everything. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, yeah. I mean, the big picture, of course, Jason, is it's a human system. And... Uh, and mistakes are going to be made, the reasons wrongful convictions occurred is a long list. And they include probably the top one is uh, misidentification by eyewitnesses and uh, particularly interracial identification by eyewitnesses. Eyewitness testimony is not credible. And people don't understand. They think, I know what I saw. I know what I saw, and I know who I saw. Well, that's not necessarily credible, and, uh, but we rely on it so heavily. That's just one example of many things where our human efforts are less than perfect. And, of course, that's, <laughs> that's all we have to deal with, and uh, that's what the system is based on. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not in any way condemning our judicial system or our law enforcement system or anything like that. I am trying to get people to accept that it is not perfect. Mistakes are made 
much more than people realize. And in that kind of system, how can we kill people? Well, I'm really glad that you're working on this project. Uh, again, the podcast is called Cleared. You can subscribe online now through your favorite podcast player or at the website saltcitysound.net. And I really want to thank Steve for coming on today and, and talking with me about this. And I'm glad that you're doing this. I know we talked about this before, and I'm glad that Beth uh, pushed you to do a project. And I'm glad that you're uh, using your thoughtful mind to uh, kind of highlight for people some of the, the cases that are out there that, that show that maybe we don't live in quite a perfect system. Well, uh, thank you so much for having me, Jason. Yeah, my my daughter usually pushes me into doing good things. So um, a shout out to my daughter, Beth. But uh, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe this reveals some of my passion on this subject, but um, I'm really honored to be a guest on, on your podcast. So thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. I wanted to share with you the intro for Steve's podcast called Cleared. It'll be airing on the Salt City Podcast Network in the next couple of weeks, so keep an eye peeled for that. And you can go uh, to your favorite podcast player or saltcitysound.net and subscribe today. My name is Stephen Becker. I live on the family farm outside of the city of Bueller, Reno County, Kansas. I obtained my law degree from Washburn University of Topeka. I was fortunate to serve as a state district court judge in Reno County, Kansas for 26 years. Following my retirement from the bench, I served six years in the Kansas legislature. The law is embedded in our society, and sometimes it works, and sometimes, unfortunately, it doesn't. Over my career, I've found that sometimes we get it wrong. It happens more frequently than you think. That's the stuff that haunts me. In our podcast, we will introduce you to people who have been wronged and hear their stories. Of course, I will not be doing this alone. My partner in this endeavor is Elizabeth White, a graduate from the University of Kansas with a degree in political science who brings a decade of experience with the Department of Corrections. Oh, yeah, she's my daughter. I couldn't be prouder. I invite you to join us as we explore what went wrong in the criminal justice system. Wrongful convictions occur surprisingly frequently. As John Grisham, renowned author and legal scholar, has stated, convicting an innocent person is easy. Exonerating the wrongfully convicted is virtually impossible. There have been 2,800 exonerations since 1989. 123 of those persons exonerated had received the death penalty. That means four times each year the United States would have executed an innocent person. There are 2.3 million people in this country's prisons and jails. If 1% of the incarcerated population is innocent, and experts believe 1% is a conservative estimate, it means that 23,000 prisoners are serving a sentence 
for a crime they did not commit. This is an issue that must be addressed. That is what this father and daughter team intend to do. Join Stephen and Beth in Cleared, What Went Wrong in the Criminal Justice System on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere where you find your podcasts. Hey, everyone. There is still a lot of fair activity going on, a number of events happening at the fair. That will continue uh, for the next week and through the weekend to the 19th. Make sure you uh, get out there and get your favorite food or see your favorite event um, because all the fun's happening out there, but it wraps up on the 19th. A couple of other things happening in town that, that I'd like to make sure you know about. On uh, September 21st, the Dillon Lecture Series has Colonel Mark Tillman speaking at the Hutchinson Sports Arena. At 2 p.m. Saturday at the Hutchinson Arts Center, there's an artist talk where you can meet and visit with uh, a featured artist at the Hutchinson Arts Center. Also coming up September 30th through October 3rd is the Family Community Theater production of Arsenic and Old Lace. Uh, Showtime starts at 7.30 p.m. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday with a 3 p.m. matinee on Sunday. Also, don't forget that farmer's markets are still happening all throughout the county. The Reno County Farmer's Market continues from on Wednesdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. and Saturdays from 7.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Also check for the farmer's markets in South Hutch, Arlington, Haven, and Yoder. If you have an event that you'd like to feature on that podcast in Hutch, be sure to send me a note and let me know at thatguyinhutch at gmail.com. I'd be happy to talk about your event and let people know what you have going on. I'd like to thank a few of the people who've helped make that podcast and Hutch possible. My son Mitchell Probst wrote and recorded the music for the show. Jenny Brigette put together some great graphics and promotional art. And Chris Acker helps overcome my mistakes to produce a great sounding product every episode. That podcast and Hutch is made possible through a collaboration between the Hutchison Arts and Culture Collective and Salt City Sound. They're working to bring resources and infrastructure to support art, music, and storytelling in our community. If you have an idea for your own podcast, reach out to them at podcasts at saltcitysound.net. If you enjoy that podcast and Hutch, be sure to subscribe and share it with all your friends. You can also help support this production by subscribing to thatguyandhutch.substack.com or by emailing me at thatguyandhutch at gmail.com to learn about sponsorship opportunities. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Assault City Sound Production.